You hear the music, you start getting excited. It's Ira on Sports. It's on the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and a huge show on tap for you once again tonight. Ira, it's a little bittersweet right now as we officially end the NFL regular season. So we're all excited. You've got your team in the playoffs. But to me, I, I always get a little bit bummed out. Even just yesterday, watching all the games, with knowing that it's going to wrap up, fantasy's over, it's a little bit bittersweet as the regular season ends. Only 14 football games left. Well, see, see, that makes it sound even worse. <laughs> There's 13 NFL games and one college game. and uh, But it's it's like uh, the fireworks. The last few minutes are the most exciting of the, of the show. But make sure your internet's working on this because there's been so many breaking stories all day in almost all the sports with all the, the firings and the hirings mm. in football. It's going to be, so who knows during our show what big story is going to break. And, and you're one of these people, you like Black Monday. <laughs> you were excited yesterday. We're going to have a little bit of turnover and some of these coaches obviously uh, deserve to go. I think some Jets fans would have been happy if Gase had been let go about a year and a half ago, but uh, he let go today. We knew that one was coming. Ira, you got to take in the Orange Bowl and this is something, how many Orange Bowls have you been through throughout the years? You have to have gone to like 10, right? Uh, I think it was like seven, yeah. but I've been to the last four. So it was, uh, it was, but it was great to go down there for the Orange Bowl to see Texas A&M, Carolina. A lot, little, lot different. There was the pageantry wasn't there, but of course it's easy to go to the game. It's now it's my fifth. I've been to a uh, fifth time to the, at at uh, Hard Rock Stadium this year to go to a football game. <laughs> but uh, very exciting to see. A, it was a good game. It was one of those good games. I mean, a lot of these college games. I went in the bowl season thinking, mm, I'm not going to be that excited, but I get I get hooked into some of these games, and it, that was a great game to go to. Very exciting. Uh, saw Sam Howe from North Carolina, who could be a Heisman Trophy candidate for next year. Texas A&M looked fantastic for a team that maybe next year is going to be one of the top teams in the country again. So, yeah, no, you, you get to take it all in. We'll talk about that in a little while. We should talk about next week. We're not going to have any interviews today. There's way too much to talk about with NCAA and the NFL, but... Hockey's back in a, in a week, a little over a week, so we're all really, really excited about that. And Ira, we've got arguably the most iconic hockey voice or voice in sports coming on this show. It's Mike Doc Emmerich, and he's going to be fantastic. Yeah, great. He's uh, has a, wrote a book out called Mike. His Mike, his, his book about his career, everything broadcasting hockey. I love talking to him about um, the minor league hockey because the yeah. fact he was in the minor leagues and all the crazy things that go on in minor league hockey and and the stories he tells and his voice is so iconic that when you listen to it, you might think, wait, am I listening to a hockey game or Iron Sports? <laughs> no, uh, he's fantastic and we'll catch up with uh, with Mike Doc Emmerich uh, next week here on Iron Sports. Let's get right into it, Ira. NCAA, we know who's going to be in the final, but it wasn't exactly who everybody thought and I don't think, especially the betting public, was ready to see Ohio State just beat up on Clemson. Yeah, this was a game that I I totally missed in terms of what I because I You're saw Ohio alone. State the last game against the Northwestern. They struggled. Uh, they've had some games against Indiana, but they didn't look good. Uh, Clemson had beat them last year. I mean, this is the Ohio State. Considering how many games they won, that they won more games than any team in, in college football. But they were zero and four against Clemson. Uh, and the most famous game at all was when Woody Hayes, when their coach, the iconic coach, a punched a Clemson player in the middle of the game <laughs> and then was fired the next day. Um, but uh, and then last year that was the game and. and I think when you're looking back, so now in with 2020 hindsight, you look back like what happened in the game. And one of the things was that last year, 29-23, Clemson won. Ohio State had a chance at the 
end of the game, Olave broke off his route, didn't try to run in for the end, and then uh, Fields threw the interception. So you really got the two. It's rarely that you have two teams back in a game that they played the year before with almost the same players that played in the game. <laughs> uh, I think Clemson was definitely hurt because Josh Elliott, their offensive coordinator, wasn't there. They were unable to make adjustments during the game. Safety Nolan Turner, who was who got burnt in the second half when he came in, but he because he had a targeting penalty at the Notre Dame game, had to sit out that first half, and I think that hurt Clemson's defense a little bit in that in that first half. I think that helped. That that was a different. And I think Dabo Sweeney, Ray, you know, no need to put Ohio State as number eleven. That was just more <laughs> fuel to the fire, made them more upset. And so I think you're left with it's a team. And Ohio State seems they were like playing. I said they might have been playing possum. They finally got almost all their players back who've been out from COVID for all these various reasons, and they were at almost nearly full strength for this game. They're missing two defensive linemen, and I think that was a huge difference in the game. And that you saw a motivated team and a team that that was that at that uh, during that day played better and they were faster and, and sometimes games I compare this game to the LSU game we're going to talk about the LSU game too because I was at that game last year at the in the uh, in the uh, Sugar Bowl that LSU you know went in there against Clemson and uh, Joe Burrow had that big win and it was a close game but then blew them out in the second quarter and we're going to go through this game a little bit and that second quarter was when I love I was listening to, to commentators say it's like oh this game is a total it was a blowout or whatever it was a blowout because the second quarter made it a blowout it was close in the first I think Clemson what they had to do in the first half but but that second quarter was just a disaster in the same set problem they had in the second quarter when they were playing LSU last year and it doesn't and it seemed like they had trouble then in the second half making the right adjustments so let's get into this game Ira take us uh, back to the beginning how do we get to this uh, well, 21 point route it just looked in the first half Etienne um, Clemson drove down there 82 yards eight plays three minutes they went up seven nothing uh, Etienne their star running back who's going to be starring the pros uh, catch it made some great catches and runs Lawrence ran in for a touchdown so you're like this is what you expect Ohio State's defense against Indiana looked terrible. It just looked like Clemson in every play. They were just run right down. And OSU goes three, third and two, and they're stopped on a third and two. So, okay, Ohio State goes out. Clemson goes, and this is where uh, there were points in the game where it was third. It was the Clemson went three and out. But it was not just the three and out. Davis Allen, their tight end, was wide open for a touchdown. And Trevor Lawrence overthrew him. I, again, Trevor Lawrence was just not super duper sharp this game. And I'm not saying he had a bad game. I don't. I think he had a good game. But he just he had to make that pass to Davis Allen. He overthrew him. They were stopped. And then what does Ohio State go back? Then Trey Sermon. Now we talked about this Trey Sermon guy. He's not even the big the Big Ten list from the media and the and the coaches. They're all American team. They only played six games. So it's hard to be all American. But he wasn't even on any of their All-American teams. So they, mm. they listed uh, eight, nine running backs. But it's in the last two games, so in the first four games, he had 200 yards. Then he had 112 against Michigan State. But since then, he's had 331 yards against Northwest, 193 versus Clemson. I mean, he has just been on a roll in terms of whatever. He played at Oklahoma for uh, three years and he ran. I mean, he, he wasn't just on a, a bench war. He had 700 yards one year, 900 yards, 385. Had a fight with the running backs coach and then transferred in the way they allowed the transfers and everything, graduate transfers, everything, transferred to Ohio State, sat on the, really was on the bench with Master T, who was other running back, who was out for this game. And so Sermon carried it and he was just completely dominant. And you saw the screen him for 34 yards. He ran for 34 yards. They had three plays, 77 yards. They tied at 7-7. So like, okay, now they got their act together. Mm-hmm. But what does Clemson do? They come right back. Four complete passes by Lawrence. At the end, runs for a touchdown, three minutes, 85 yards, three, a drive, and 14-7 Clemson. You're like waiting for the, everyone who bet the overs happy, track meet type of game. And then, but what does Ohio State do? They, again, right back there, uh, Wilson blew by Darren Kendrick.
Kendrick. Now, Kendrick is somebody who a lot of people think is going to be drafted highly in the NFL draft. He's a cornerback for the quarterback safety for Clemson. Got burnt by a 50-yard pass, um, and then they uh, they scored a touchdown. So it's 14-14. You're like, okay, now we're definitely in track meet. But what concerned me, this is where they ended up losing. So this is the end of the first half. Clemson goes three and out. And I'm like, you're in a track meet. And I, I call this ping pong. Like when you're playing ping pong with someone and they go up like, it's like two points, two points, two points. But whenever they get that five, six point lead, that's when it becomes a problem. You have to stay close <laughs> to them. And they did it. And this is against LSU. Um, Clemson, it was, it was seven, seven after the first. And Clemson went up actually 17 to seven. But then early in the second, in the first quarter, but early in the second, LSU scored three straight touchdowns to go up 28-17. So L- this is exactly what happened in this game. Um, Ohio State outscored Clemson 21 nothing, and that's in the next points. Ohio State went down nine plays, 84-yard drives. They converted a third and four. Fields, Justin Fields, the quarterback, was sharp, four for five. He had a 17-yard uh, run. And then last year, Ohio State would get down in the red zone, not score. They had like three field goals. Touchdown. So they did uh, 21-14. And then Clemson, they, they start to look like they did last year against LSU. They had they went three and out. They had three straight passes. Um, they were It was just bad incompletions. They had threw like a six-yard pass. So suddenly now Ohio State gets back back in the game. And this is where the whole game changed in the second quarter. Sermon ran for 30 yards. It was third and 13 on Clemson's 19. Fields runs for 11 yards. Now he's two yards short of the first down. And Skalski, the star linebacker for Clemson, who was thrown out of the LSU game last year for a targeting foul against Jefferson, who makes all the plays, who wasn't there for the Notre Dame game for an injury, he's back. He's the key to their whole defense. He hits Fields hard. I said, oh my gosh, what a shot. Fields looks hurt. Fields like he's out of the game. This is going to be the turning point of the game. But then... Fields is lying on the ground, and then they say it's targeting, and it didn't look because it didn't hit his head. It was just a shot to the body, yeah. but then everyone's been on Fiskowski today saying he put his helmet in his chest to Fields, and it was a bad, it was a dirty, it, to me, it looked like Fields turned into him. Now, again, people were saying he was diving. He wasn't diving. He was running straight up. He was trying to get the first down, so he's trying to get that extra two yards. Skalski just tried to tackle him. Fields turned into the helmet. I, I don't think he should have been thrown out of the game. I don't think it was any bad intent, and I thought it was a mistake, and a lot of people say it's like the most... A vicious call. I mean, they're comparing to Vontae's burp. Ver- oh, but it was ridiculous. It, did, it was, again, it was, a, it was a hard hit because Fields is running straight forward. Skowski's going right towards him. They collide and Fields turned into him his, at the last minute. He turned into him and that's why the helmet hit the, his side. But Fields then went out only one play. Skowski's now out the rest of the game. He was disqualified. Fields back in. Next play to Alave. Throws for touchdown 28-14. And now this is like, you know, th- then Clemson goes Three straight, you know, now it's going to be the third straight three and out. He, uh, he was, it was like on a third and 18, and he just threw a 15-yard pass. It seemed like every time Clemson was trying to get this first down, Lawrence, he, Lawrence sounded like Tua. Like, we're going to talk about the Dolphin game. Mm-hmm. It was like they were, it was like third and 10, he threw an eight-yard pass. Third and 15, a 13-yard <laughs> pass. It was, just, it was just one of those things that just poor, they weren't able to get the first downs. And maybe that's missing their offense coordinator, not running the right plays, not figuring out what to do, not making the right adjustments. And then on third and 19, then Oasta gets the ball back. And this is when you knew, I think, they were, they were in serious trouble. Because it was third and nine on the Ohio State 39, and Sermon ran for 10 yards. They didn't even try to pass. They just said, we're going to overrun you. <laughs> and the Clemson couldn't stop it. And then they scored and made it 35-14. to 14. In the second quarter, Ohio State outgained Clemson 229-29. to 29. It was just, it was, and, and at that point, really, it was over. I mean, the first half fields was 16 for 28, 223 yards, four touchdowns. Lawrence only had 152 yards. Sermon rushed for 121 yards and a touchdown. They had 170 yards rushing. And this is something that 
Notre Dame didn't rush against Clemson like this. Like, no one ran against Clemson like this all year. I would like to see how North Carolina, they didn't play, but would have done. But it was like one of those things where for the first half is 35 to 14, 400 yards to 200 yards. And then it was so funny. Ohio State, so they start the third quarter. Ohio State comes back, and I'm like, okay, just they're ready to blow it out. They're ready to score, and Fields throws an interception. I mean, that could have been 42-14. <laughs> and what does Clemson do? They come right down, and they scored a touchdown and made it. This is what it did in the LSU game. They sort of kept it a little close there, and Clemson scored a touchdown. But then Ohio State was backed up on their nine-yard line, and uh, on a third and ten on the Ohio State nine, they passed a fir- sermon for a first down. I mean, they could have been backed up. So now they're only down two, for two touchdowns, and the Ohio State's backed up on their own nine-yard line, and Ohio State was able to get that first down, go down there and make it 45-21, and then it just became a mess. I mean, that's when Lawrence was gonna was sacked, and he put the ball down, but it was like they rolled it a fumble, which I thought was a weird call. I mean, it's like everything was bad. And it was just a mess the rest of the game, and, and that was it. The game was over. It was just, it was like one of those things where they're down so much. I mean, it was 49-21 to start the fourth. Um, for the game, Ohio State gained 639 yards to Clemson's 444. Terrible. And uh, it was weird. It came. Ohio State had nine penalties for 100 yards. Clemson only had three for 20. But that one penalty on Skowski was important. And Fields was 22 for 28, 395 yards, six touchdowns, one interception, Super Bowl record. Alavi had 132 catches. And this is Lawrence who had that three interceptions against Northwestern, who, who again, was just not sharp. And that's why he wasn't in the Heisman. He's not on Tuesday. No one considers him. And that's why people were dropping him again in the drafting. It's like, oh, Kyle Wilson of BYU is going to go at him. And Lawrence is clearly number one. Now he's back up. Now my Jets fans are saying, Fields looks like he's going to go to the Jets. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still not sold. I mean, this is one game. It's like the prisoner of the moment these games. I mean, that Matt Leinard had a good Rose Bowl. Uh, that's why he got drafted against the, against Penn State. It's like somehow people watch these games and these you can't just judge on one game on one moment like this. Well, that's what I was going to say. Going back to the, the media, you know, and – It's more so these guys who have to make their livings off being draft analysts because they're so fickle. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was a clear one and two in in, uh, Lawrence and Fields. Then three weeks ago, Justin Fields might be, you know, in the 20s because he had a couple of bad starts. We see Zach Wilson move up, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask in front of him. Justin Fields comes out, has a great game here in the semis. He's right back up to the top of the board. It's way too fickle for me, Ira. And there's no way that GMs are looking at it like this, the way that these people are trying to portray it to us. I mean, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. He had, he's won three ACC title games. So now the ACC was 0 for 6 in the bowl game. So, like, ACC, who cares? But the fact is he's won. Um, he won um, he's won now three. He won three college football playoff games, whether he won a championship game when he was a freshman. Last year he won. He beat Ohio State but then lost to LSU. And this year he lost. So, he again, this, and he won the national championship game as a freshman over Tua in a tremendous game when he was perfect. I think people were saying, okay, he's going to win three national championships and he only won one. And he's probably not going to win the Heisman either, but it's not saying he's like his career was a disaster. (laughs) And I just think that it was, I think your guess, again, uh, the idea that people now think that Fields is better than Lawrence is ludicrous if anyone watched all these games instead the turnovers and the mistakes. And Lawrence, I think, was hurt. They lost Justin Ross. So T. Higgins graduated the year before. um, Last year he played for Cincinnati Bengals. Justin Ross was going to be their next person. Like Devontae Smith stepped up for Alabama. And Justin Ross had a, a neck issue and was not able to play this year. Now, he might be able to be drafted in the pros. There's a thought of thought that he's going to go back next year and, and be drafted, but he wasn't able to play. They were really missing. Powell really was average. I just don't think they – but, again, it was just Clemson got beat. Ohio State – these are teams – these are all big boy teams. Like, they know how to play, and Ohio State played. And I just – but I think that Trevor – I think – this is a this was a this was a loss that Clemson at least have they have their two national championships under their rant and they're gonna all these teams play each other the Alabama the Ohio State's the LSU's 
if someone has to lose. I mean, you can't just win all the time. And uh, but uh, it was it was look Ohio State. They had they they came through when they had to. And Fields came and Fields, whereas draft stock was started dropping to 10, 11, 12. Now he's pretty much back there too. And I don't know, you know, now the Jets have a choice in terms of are they going to because I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to, to draft a number two. I'm interested to see what the Jets do as well, and I think they have a lot of choices there. And uh, it's going to be something that we're monitoring very closely here on Iron Sports. It's seven seventeen. I'm Mike Balsamo. That's what you're listening to. Iron Sports. We're on the True Oldies Channel. So going to Bama and Notre Dame. This game was over a three-touchdown line. And this is why kind of recently me and you have gotten off the we-need-eight teams for their playoff when you see this kind of thing happen in the semifinals. But Notre Dame played a little bit better than I think the general public thought they were going to. Regardless, Bama's moving on. Well, I think... Well, it's so funny. I, I was uh, disappointed with how Bama, I think Saban said the same thing. He got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the fourth quarter. So for a game that you're blowing out. But clearly in the general, in the big picture, this was uh, in 2013, North uh, Notre Dame lost in the Orange Bowl, the National Championship game, 42-14. to 14. I, was, I was at that game. In 2018, they lost in the Cotton Bowl to Clemson, 30-3. to 3. Since 1998, they're 0 for 6 in BCS games or New Year's games and outscored by 144 points. Last year they lost thirty four to ten um, to Clemson. This is this was the largest loss in somehow air. That Notre Dame and then Brian Kelly was defensive because we lost and they, they were upset about it and how it happened and and I agree with him. I mean, it's not like they're trying. They're trying to win. These teams are really good. Alabama's a, 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 maybe one of the greatest teams of all time offensively. Mm-hmm. So it's not like. But I, I think it was one of those things where Notre Dame did a lot. In that first half, what they said they were going to do, they were going to control the game. Alabama holding the ball four times, but they scored three touchdowns. <laughs> so the point is, I mean, that was the point is, I think Notre Dame's defense really that as much, and that's what you would scare you about Ohio State. Notre Dame's defense in that first half did knew exactly what Alabama was going to do, and they couldn't stop them. And that's the scary thing about how that game how that game broke. And you saw uh, with Mac Jones, the quarterback for Alabama, another tremendous game. Uh, Najee Harris running back, and of course Devon. Smith and all the weapons they have and and Alabama was missing their center and it didn't really affect them especially in that first half when they took that lead and Alabama does this is what I was nervous about the line I thought Alabama was going to get the lead and just coast now I think they coasted a little too much and I thought I was waiting for some more explosions I thought the score could have been they only scored 31 I thought it could have been like 42 49 but they just wanted they're careful I mean that's what Saban does he doesn't try to risk so much he took the lead and just coasted the rest of the way no I'm with you and then this could have been more and it kind of sets the stage for next week when it's the highest over under of all time in a football game. It was 75 and a half last time. Tough to take when sometimes these teams do lay off, but that game should be much closer. But let's talk, let's finish out Bama and Notre Dame. So what happened? How do we get here? Well, I think it was, I think the key thing is Notre Dame got the ball uh, first. Now, I was, that was smart. I love when teams like that. When you're in a game against the track meet, it's like, oh, usually teams defer. They want to defer mm-hmm. to the second. I'm like, you don't defer. You don't let Alabama get another shot, like an extra shot at the first. Like, you want to stay in there. So I think it was great that they kicked it, but then they they couldn't score. What does Bama do on their first drive? Jones went five for six. Jones and Smith for a touchdown. In like a minute, they scored. And then Notre Dame came back, and it was third and seven. And this is what Alabama said they were going to do this. Ian Book, the quarterback for Notre Dame, is great at scrambling out. When everything breaks down, he again rushes for that first down. They didn't let him get his running. That's the key. They stopped him from running. And on third and seven, he just ran for two yards. Bama then gets on a 53-yard run from Najee Harris. 
the hurdle he had over McLeod, he must have jumped eight feet tall. I mean, it should have been the Olympics how he hurdled. It was one of the best runs, better than whatever Saquon Barkley runs. I love Najee Harris. I see rumors that he's going to go to Penn, to the Steelers. I think he would be tremendous on the Steelers. That's what we you definitely want him need. Bad. Yes, <laughs> and you need it. And, and they went on because they screwed up the kickoff. It was a ninety-seven yard drive. It doesn't even matter where Alvin gets the ball. They get the ball on the like one inch line. They'll go down. It was the third longest drive in, in quote Rose Bowl history. Even though it was played in Dallas, and they went up for uh, Mac Jones at that point was eight for nine for fifty-seven yards and two touchdowns. Then I give Notre Dame credit. They came back with a perfect drive. Uh, they converted two third. They had third and ones and third and twos, and they were on fourth and one on the goal line, and they scored. So okay, Notre Dame's in the game. It's fourteen-seven. But what does Alabama do? Jones to Devontae Smith, twenty-four yards and thirty-four yards uh, uh, touchdown again. And right now Jones was then at twelve for thirteen, one hundred seventy-three yards, three touchdowns. The average time of possession on the three possessions was two minutes and twenty-eight seconds. Great. They're just—it's like reminds you of the Buffalo Bills years ago with Jim Kelly when they were fantastic with Thurman Thomas on but they would just score in a second. And uh, and Notre Dame gave up the drives they scored on were eighty yards, ninety-seven yards, and eighty-four yards, and none of them lasted like longer than like two minutes and thirty-six seconds. Notre Dame punted, and then by, they finally stopped. Otherwise, it could have been like twenty-eight-seven. They stopped him, but it was twenty-seven at the half. Jones was fourteen for sixteen, one hundred eighty-two yards, three touchdowns. Harris had almost one hundred yards. Smith one hundred yards, and uh, the game appeared over. But uh, you know, it was like one of those things where if you ask Notre Dame, we kept Bama to four possessions. That's all we wanted to do. Yeah. Four little possessions, but you gave up those three touchdowns. And then um, in the uh, in the second in the second uh, half, Bama. That's where Jones made a say. He threw a ball to Smith. And I thought it was going to be intercepted. And Devontae Smith, I think, jumped 20 feet to catch that ball. Like, it saved it. Like, he saved the interception there. They, they had to punt then. And, uh, but then Jones, then Notre Dame did, you know, do it. He, then the game, this game sort of turned in the third quarter, was a chance to make it 21-14. I don't think Notre Dame would ever won. But uh, Mayer, their tight end, was wide open. Just like I told you about Clemson, their tight end was wide open for a touchdown. And he threw an intercept. He threw a, missed the, missed the touchdown. And the next play, he threw an interception. Yeah. And then, then Obama comes down, makes it 20. I mean, they, if you throw, you make any mistake, you saw on the Florida game. You make a mistake against them. They're, they're converting. They're not going to be like the Dolphins, like it's wait for a field goal or whatever. <laughs> and they come down and he scrambled to throw it to touch, Smith for a touchdown, 28-7. And, uh, Barber for Alabama. Their defensive lineman, Sack Book. I thought Book was never going to get up from this sack. He was un- <laughs> he is so good. And then it was like 31-7. And it was just like one of those weird things. Now, they did score at the end. They cut it and made it 31-14, cut, made the point spread. And, they, and the worst thing that Alabama did was Alabama uh, gave up a, um, an onside kick. And Devontae Smith, who's going to potentially win the Heisman Trophy, was the one who went right off his chest. And you're like, <laughs> well, you don't want to see, like, that's a type of stupid mistake that how you lose games. I mean, I always think Alabama loses games because uh, they try to kick a 60-yard field goal, they miss it, and Auburn runs it back for a touchdown. Or some crazy things always happen to them when they lose. Like, to beat Alabama, only Clemson was the only one who really beat Alabama. Usually it's just stupid plays. But, uh, I mean, it's funny about stats are being stupid. Each team had 24 first downs, and the yardage was Alabama was like 50 more than them. But it was really just because this game was was totally over. And uh, so I thought, you know, it's like that's where it was just one of those games where Alabama did what they had to do. They didn't cover. I just wanted to see a couple more touchdowns in the second half because they kept getting stopped a little bit. They only scored that one. But then they just ran the ball and, and aired the game out. You're listening to Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel at 723. I'm Mike Balsamo. Um, okay, let's talk about the game that you were at. And like you said, this is your seventh Orange Bowl. You've been to four in a row. And you got a really good one here, Ira. I, I've been bashing North Carolina on this show all year, just thinking, how are these guys ranked so good? And it was shown that they probably can't hang with Texas A&M, but they're not that far behind. Well, it was um, 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was like Texas A&M was the team. They were the fifth-ranked team. So they're the ones they not wanted to in be the in the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. They wanted to be in playoffs. Did they do anything in the game to show they're in the playoffs? Probably not um, because it was – they didn't get – North Carolina had they, their two star running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who are both like two of the top four running backs in the country. It's amazing that one team would have two of them. They both opted out of the game. Dewani Brown, their top wide receiver, he opted out of the game. And their linebacker, top linebacker, opted out of the game. Plus they had other reserves opted. They didn't really know – they had, they were down 4,000 yards. But they had Sam Howe at quarterback and I, I love Sam House anyone who's watched the game it seemed like he was wearing shorts I mean some people now have their pants that go down above their knee pads his pants were like halfway between <laughs> like his knees I mean his knees were totally covered in like two inches above the knee it was just totally shorts out there when he plays and I've never seen him play before live so it was exciting to see I saw saw him play but his he seemed he's a little shorter than I thought he would be like it seems like on TV he's taller his his very strong arm strength, everything good, good mobility, made some mistakes. We'll see next year. We'll see the improvement between this year and next year, uh, what he does. He's lost. He's losing all his players, so we're going to see on offense whether he, without having this great running game, but... Um, you know they had they there was there was the question in terms of Kellen Mond who was an all time great A and M quarterback had all the records broke Johnny Manziel's records Isaiah Spiller the running back and it was interesting to see Texas A M because we don't really hear about him that much but Jimbo Fisher was at Florida State he was eighty three and twenty three at Florida State won the national championship in two thousand thirteen and then uh, three years ago signed the ten million seventy five ten years seventy five million dollar contract it's one of the highest paid coaches in football and he was nine and four eighty five and nine and one this year so this is like the chance to to turn this around to make uh, to make A&M. And, 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 and I got to give A&M a ton of credit. I really think that for a team that did not make the college football playoff, they know there were, they didn't have any opt-outs at all. Everybody played and they could have been disappointed, not try, but they took this game seriously. I, I love listening to interviews after the game when Jimbo Fisher was being interviewed and he said, I take pride in this team. This was building for next year, even though they're losing Kellen Mond, but they had a lot of good young players. So when you're looking at the SEC next year, I mean, Alabama is, of course, going to be Alabama, but then you're going to have a teams like Texas A&M and Georgia who are all going to be good next year. A team like Florida that might lose people. I see Dan Mullen might be interviewing for a job. That would be one of the reasons really? why, because uh, interviewing for a job for the, for the Jacksonville job. So, But um, it, it was one of those things where, like, it, it, just to talk about the game just for a second, is uh, it was they were traded touchdowns. Florida A&M was up 17-13 at halftime. Uh, there's an a- Anias Smith. They call him less than zero. He is so small. He says, listen, five nine. But he was so good. Like it was like when you're watching a game live and you see like he's uncoverable. He's like Tyreek Hill. He's uncoverable out mm-hmm. there. But Spiller got hurt. And then Arshani uh, came in the game for them, their freshman running back, and, and who became the MVP of the game. Played great. But uh, boy, that it was like the fourth quarter where Hal completed a 70-yard pass to Downs. They were up 27-20 to start the fourth. And then AMN scored 21 straight points that Devon Oshani had the two touchdowns. He had a 76-yard run where it looked like he was caught and ran it in there. Um, but just anyone, and it was just one of those exciting games at the end where it was like could go back and forth during the entire game, scoring. Uh, you know, as I, I was like comparing it to the Patriots Dolphins game where there's no scoring, just field goals. These guys were just scoring touchdowns. And it was it was good. It was like, but it was one of those things where AM, I I think it was a win. It was like a win for next year and what they're going to do next year. So let's move on here. In this game, Ira, it kind of jumped on the Florida Gators bandwagon this year a little bit, and it was a little disappointing that they got uh, shellacked by Oklahoma. Well, it was expected. I mean, they opened this game a three-point favorite, and they ended a five-point favorite, and ended up being eight-point underdog. Um, Pitts, Tony, Grimes, all the wide receivers opted out. They had six injuries, eight loss. They only they, they only had sixty out of eighty-five scholarships players. Dan Mullen, the coach, said we they couldn't they, they potentially could have sat out the game and not played the game, and they felt they wanted to. 
And then they call out Oklahoma because they're like, uh, again, you don't, Oklahoma had a weird year. They lost to Kansas State, lost to Iowa State to start the year, but now they've been on a roll. Um, Spencer Rattler, their quarterback, really has been playing well. well, Oklahoma's played in their six consecutive New Year's Six Bowl games, but the last three seasons they've lost in the semifinal games by giving an average of 54 points. So I think it's weird. Florida had nobody playing in the game, and they were still taking Oklahoma lightly, which is not <laughs> the right way to go. I mean, terrible attitude. And again, when you look at Florida's year, when they, they lost to Texas A&M, here's a team with this a quarterback could have been Heisman Trophy with Pitts and Grimes and Tony and all these great wide receivers. It is disappointing. They lost to A&M. They lose that stupid loss to LSU when they throw the shoe at the end of the game, a team when they were favored by 21 yeah. points. And then they can't beat Bama in a tough game. And then they lose this game. I don't, I don't, I don't consider this year a success. I mean, I think people are saying it is. I just don't know. I think that they, this was a great opportunity for them. Um, and they, and they did it. I mean, it was like by it, it, Trask, Trask had five interceptions all year. He had three interceptions in 12 minutes of the first quarter. That's where the game was. He was just throwing interceptions, throwing interceptions. Um, and it was like, one of those things where it was just at the end of the first half, it was 31 13, uh, 34, it was 31 13, Oklahoma. They pulled Trask out. They brought in Emory Jones, who could be the uh, quarterback next year uh, uh, to be next year's starter. But it was like Trask was completely off. He had none of his wide receivers. And then, and then the question for Trask, and people were saying, well, Trask shouldn't have played in the game. I give Trask, Kyle Trask, credit for playing in this game. Because, I think he should have played. Yeah, because I, it, it just, I feel like he, again, he's the Florida quarterback. He did come here. It wasn't was going to be the starter. A lot of Felipe Franks left. He, why not let him play in a bowl game? Like, I, again, I don't think it's a stupid move to play in this game and try. And I feel bad it didn't work out for him. Um, I, I like the fact that he gave it a shot. And I, I thought it was great that he came in there. But but uh, it was Oklahoma. Florida's defense, as much as Trask played poorly, Florida's defense was a disaster. And yeah. they were a disaster in a lot of their games this year, including the LSU game, including Alabama. They gave up 435 rushing yards to Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma, it was like playing Abilene State or something like that. <laughs> 435 yards is the most ever in the Cotton Bowl. Um, Oklahoma averaged 10.5 yards a play, which in the against when two big five teams are playing each other in a bowl game, in a big six bowl game, it's the most of all time. Like 20, every time Oklahoma got the ball, they averaged 10 and a half yards. Uh, just one of the, uh, it was just uh, t- terrible uh, performances. And next year, you know, it's interesting about Florida's schedule. They play Bama at home, which could be one of the biggest games. They play LSU away, and they also play Georgia. So uh, we're going to, so we'll see. And Oklahoma next year could go undefeated. They, they're non conference. I looked at it. I'm always interested in schedules. They play Tulane, Western Carolina, play Nebraska, and everything in the Big 12. So this could be a big year. I mean, this, again, we're talking about two teams, Texas A&M and Oklahoma, who use these bowl games as stepping stones for next year. Whereas I don't know where Florida's going. They're going to lose their quarterback. Oklahoma's getting their quarterback back. So that's going to be a question. Definitely teams going in different directions. And I, I don't think a lot of diehard Gators fans are too happy with how the season ended up. Uh, besides, you know, Trask probably going into the NFL. Um, let's talk about the Peach Bowl. Well, that's Georgia-Cincinnati. And what intrigued me about that game was Georgia had, of course, had a lot of opt-outs. Cincinnati was undefeated. They're one of those teams that said, uh, we're undefeated, but they played in the, in the uh, American Conference. So the same conference that Central Florida plays in. Remember, Central Florida beat Auburn. So this was their chance. And, boy, they had this game. <laughs> I felt bad for them. They were up 21-10 on the, with, on the, with the ball with 14 minutes to go in the game. And they fumbled. And uh, Georgia was able to come down and score. I mean, this is one of the games where I got to give Georgia credit. I thought they were just going to fold up in their tent and say, we didn't play a good game. But they came back, and then they uh, drove down with no timeouts. Cincinnati got third and two. They punt- they could have gone for it, but they punted uh, on 40. They left Georgia with very little time. One of those questions, do you go for it or you give the team some time? Georgia came down, and they kicked a 53-yard field goal to win the game at the end. Uh, so it was like one of those weird games. I feel bad for Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the- their quarterback, uh, Desmond Ritter is 
very, very good. And I'm pretty sure he's going to come back next year. Cincinnati next year, look at, looking at their schedule, uh, they play Indiana, who's going to be one of the top Big Ten teams, and Notre Dame. So this is a chance next year. You want to talk about these teams in the, in the non-Power 5 conferences. If they beat Indiana and Notre Dame, go undefeated next year, maybe they get invited to the playoffs. What about the, uh, <laughs> the illustrious Cheez-It Bowl, Ira? Because you got to see the U in this one and another disappointing result for a Florida team. Well, Miami, Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State. They, Oklahoma State had a weird year. They were, they were ranked high. They were going to go far. They have a lot of opt-outs. A lot of it was it was bad. But um, I think the the problem for Miami is they got great news at the beginning of the week. Derek King, the star quarterback, announced he's coming back for so his like sixth year because he was at at Houston and then whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's going to play again, which was great news. They finally found a quarterback, and then he injured his ACL. As it's it's the uh, in the in the first quarter. And now they said he's going to be ready for next year, and they better be ready because their first game is against Alabama. But uh, <laughs> um, but the point is, it was like one of those games where Nikosi Perry came in and, and played well. I mean, played it was really one, good. He played well. Um, it was they were down thirty one nineteen, but uh, but they, they they were able to cut the score and make it thirty seven thirty four. But it was like one of those games where I think. Again, my Miami eight and three. I just this year has not been what they needed to be. The loss that you can't go to Clemson get blown out. All the big games they they got blown out by Clemson. They got blown out by North Carolina. They lost their bowl game. It wasn't good enough. They're going to have to step up. And next year, as I said, they're playing Alabama that first game. I mean, Miami's looking for that signature win. That would be that you know to set you on a map. I, I, playing Alabama the first game is not the team you want to play the first game of the season. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, let's go to the Alamo Bowl. Well, I, I talked. I wanted to talk about this game a little bit. Uh, Texas blew out. Uh, Colorado 55-23. I like the game because Sam Ellinger, he's played at Texas for four years, uh, set all their records as their quarterback. But he's just this disappointing year. But the story was that before the game, they announced Tom Herman, the coach, who's only... 45 years old, is going to be back. He's been there four years. He was at Houston, 13. And it was, he was the Urban Meyer's offense coordinator. So he was the guru under Urban when he was like you know, 20-something years old. Then he went to uh, Houston, was very good there, 13-1 and 9-3. And, and at Texas, his record's been 7-6, 10-4, 8-5, 7 He's won four bowl games. He's owed $15 million. His assistant's owned 10, so it was $25 million. They said they were going to keep him, and then they fired him and the next game. Then they, but the question is who they, they thought they were going to hire Urban Meyer. But instead, they're bringing in Steve Sarkeesian. So who's Sarkeesian? He's 46 years old. He was the assistant, like the guru. They're very similar. He was a guru under Pete Carroll at USC. Then he took this Washington job as a head coach, just average, like 504 years. Went to USC, was 9-4 and four and 3-2, and two, and then had an alcohol problem. And because he was caught, he was like, went to practice and he was drunk. He gets big, gave a speech to the boosters, he was drunk. So he went to rehab and he was gone. And then in 2017, he was just like watching as a Bama assistant. 2018, he went to Atlanta and was the offensive coordinator of Atlanta and they did terrible. When you have Matt Ryan, Devontae Freedom, Ridley and Jones, I mean, everybody in fantasy was like, that's the worst Atlanta's offense has ever looked. I mean, Atlanta's defense is usually the problem, not yeah. their offense. And then he comes to Bama, two years as offensive coordinator. It's like, again, same thing with Lane Kiffin. I mean, it's like, he can, like, Andrew, now that Adam Gaze is rumored to come to out, like, which anybody, is crazy. Which is any, I'm like, you can take anybody who's like horrendous, put him to Saban. And then, and the question is, he has all these assistants everywhere, everything. You got to give Saban's the one. It's not everybody else. Like <laughs> Nick Saban at Alabama is the guy, but he, he rehabilitates everybody so they get other jobs. Like they should be paying him a commission because they go to Alabama, they get whatever, and now he's going to get this job at Texas. I, I just I'm surprised at this hire. I, I'm I was when I heard it, I was blown away. I just I thought, I thought Sarkeesian could get a job, but. The job at Texas, which is a prime program for someone who really was an average coach at Washington and really did – Herman's record's better. I just was surprised by this. That, no, it makes no sense to me. And uh, you're right. It's definitely 
product of the environment there when you're working on Nick Saban's staff. Uh, what about Northwestern and Auburn? Um, Northwestern, it was good when, again, Pat Fitzgerald, who you're, I'm just, I wanted to mention the game because he's someone who they went, they went to the Big Ten Championship game. They were 7-2 and two, and a big win over Auburn, 35-19. to 19, But his name just keeps coming up and almost all these because they're like, again, he's a leader. They're not saying, and I think what you're seeing with Urban Meyer when we're talking about Jacksonville, these coaches, these they're not looking, maybe a little Lincoln Riley because he's a great offensive guru, but I think some of these people are looking for Urban Meyer is not going to be calling all the plays. He's a leader. They want someone who can be the CEO of the team. And they look at Pat Fitzgerald and like, you're a CEO. You're able to can make people motivated. Your teams play hard. And I think that's what the NFL teams are looking for. I don't think Fitzgerald's ever going to leave Northwestern. I think he's going to stay there forever. Um, but his name just keeps, until someone maybe pays him of whatever so much. But that was a good win. I mean, Northwestern to, to close that up in the year. And, and just to run through fast on these other games I, is Iowa State uh, beat uh, o- Oregon 34-17 the Fiesta Bowl. Um, Brees Hall, their star running back finished the year for 1500 yards matt campbell is a name that everyone is talking about for iowa state next year but to go to another place but i think he's also going to stay at iowa state and uh indiana mississippi in the outback bowl mississippi won 26 20 uh matt carroll uh good quarterback for mississippi had a big game but uh it was like indiana was mad because they worked the new york six but they lost their quarterback michael pettix jr he was out but it, it was like again these games were interesting it was i think it was good that a lot of the bowl games were canceled so it wasn't like there was like three different games at a time you could actually concentrate straight watch the games but uh in the end it, it, um i think the big debate was uh should these bowl games should the field be expanded because a lot of these opt-outs and was it because of covid they're opting out or they're opting out because they don't want to play um i think players like they're with their team they should want to play in these games i think it's important to play i think you're worth a team for four months it's fun to play in them yeah no you were right when you said that a couple of weeks ago on the show that you'd think that most of these kids would want to play how do you how's the heisman trophy shaking out i, I gotta tell you i would kind of give it to Devonte smith i know it's really hard for a skill position player to get it but i i like him how, how do you think this is going to shake out yeah, I'm starting to feel that. I, I think it's it, uh, Najee Harris, the running back, is fifth. They announced that he's fifth. Um, Kyle, so there's four going to be. They're not going to be invited. It's going to be decided on Tuesday. And Trask had 43 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, 36 touchdowns and four interceptions. And then Trevor Lawrence, 24 touchdowns, five interceptions. And But the thing about Smith that's interesting is that he had 105 receptions. Now, he's, I always played a little bit more games, but the next closest to him in the entire country was with 86. So he's 20 more catches than anyone else in the country. And he had 1,600 yards receiving, which is insane to even think the number 1,600 mm-hmm. yards. And the next closest was 1,200. He was 400 more than that. So you're like, he had this all this, and that's because Jalen Waldo was out. He had double coverage almost every game, triple coverage every game, and, and credit. So the question is, do you give it to the quarterback, Mac Jones, or do you give it to the wide receiver, uh, Devontae Smith? And I always said maybe Lawrence might come in because these other te- these other they might cancel the votes. You have three Alabama players in the top five. But I do think when you're hearing what people are saying they're voting for, I think it's going to be very close. But I think uh, Smith has a – I think Smith will get it and totally deserves it. He had a great year. 739, I run sports. I'm Mike Balsamo. True oldies channel. Just about 20 minutes left to go. Let's go to the NFL, Ira. So this Miami and Buffalo game, of course, there was a lot of things that needed to happen for all of the lower AFC teams to get in. Buffalo and Sean McDermott, they're kind of the opposite of the Doug Peterson here. You would think that Buffalo was going to kind of limp into this game a little, maybe let Josh Allen sit. That was not the case. They came in here like they were looking to bury Miami, and it wasn't very hard to do so. They went in and looked at, like, buried Miami, but the weird thing is that it was, they buried him, and then they, and in, in, in the I think what's bad for Miami is they buried Miami, and it was, at the end of the first quarter, it, was, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, it just it just snowballed for them. I mean, but Miami, the first half, did absolutely nothing. I mean, they, they and again, 
they went like third and five to a sack was to a sack. They had third and three, uh, the third and uh, th- third and nine. Parker gets eight yards. Another uh, again, these small passes, two completed, lots of passes, but they're always short of the first down marker. And Buffalo, Josh Allen just turned it up. And then in the middle of the, in the in the second quarter, when they threw a touchdown pass to McKenzie, then McKenzie returns the t- punt for the touchdown. I mean, and special teams, which was so great for Miami, they give a special teams touchdown, and then they go back again and score another touchdown. I mean, it was twenty eight to six, and uh, Miami was zero for seven on third downs. And I thought there was some weird things like they used Lynn Bowden for a halfback pass, which I thought he's a quarterback in Kentucky. I get him more involved in that. Um, but I think what you saw in this game. Uh, Devontae Parker on the intercept, we're going to talk about the second half, but he does not get the separation. They have got to draft. I mean, they have two early first-round picks. They need they need to draft two wide receivers. Like, I mean, I know they can't do it on the first round, but they, they have to get wide receivers that get separation. Tua looked terrible. I mean, as much as his numbers were, were whatever, but it was like he was 35 for 58 for 361 yards uh, and one touchdown in the, in the second half. He, uh, he threw an awful pick six. It was 28-13. You're like thinking maybe they'll come back, but then the Pit six is 35-13. And then he threw the next possessions. He went three three out of four possessions with interception. Like, you can't go three out of four possessions with interception. And and again, they, by then, Buffalo had all. They had pulled Allen out. They had pulled Diggs out. And, and, and Miami couldn't even make a charge. They couldn't even do anything there. Um, just a terrible. I mean, they... They came. The Dolphins came in the game, averaging defensively eighteen points. They led the the NFL, and then they gave you the, the most, the fourth most points in franchise history, fifty six points. Yeah, obviously, it's a must win game to make the playoffs, and your defense lets up fifty six points. So you're either not a playoff team or you didn't come to play that day. And it might have been both the case here. Everybody was was concerning. Yeah, everybody that was playing to get in got in, except for like, well, some games where Arizona plays the Rams, so they're both playing. But in games where one team was playing another team and the other team didn't care, everybody won. The Colts did what they had to do. Everybody did what they had to do, except the Dolphins. And it wasn't even, again, against a team that... They started out strong, but this makes you impressive. Impressive about Buffalo is that they just totally blew this team out, and and, and they're rolling. And you look everything about Josh Allen in terms. Of, I mean, they didn't start any of the running backs either, so it was like it was weird how they played. And the pull digs out. I saw at the end of the first half, digs sort of got hurt. You're like, oh, you don't want to have that injury for Buffalo, but. Uh, I don't know where you read about this for for you know. Some people are saying, well, now you can't play too. Of course. You have invested in Tua. They love Tua. They're going to try to build around him. You do not draft another quarterback. Now they have the, the third pick in the draft because Houston lost. So they have a third yeah. pick. I think they're either going to go offensive line with a third. I think they have the 18th pick. So they'll go offensive lineman and then. Uh, uh, I think trading back to trade back to nine. You still get Jamar Chase or one of the top receivers. Use another, you know, use another pick on a running back. They, their skill position players are the second worst in the league to the Jets. They're, they're awful on, on running back and, and receiver. Besides Kasiki, a tight end, I don't the, none of the wide receivers can be back. I mean, and, Devo- and again, on, I, felt, I felt bad on like one of the interceptions, like Devontae Parker breaks off his route. Yeah. Um, he is athletic. I mean, you look at him and you're like, wow, he's going to be great. But then he's just so many times where I just don't think he gets that separation. And Chan- now the rumor was that Changeli, their offensive coordinator, was going to be fired. And they tweeted, someone tweeted out, it was like a fake tweet. But now it doesn't look like he's going to be fired. Who knows? But that was an issue. But it was, uh, it's, I think, when we're going to have the whole summer to have a postmortem on Miami, but again, it's you do not want to have your last game when you had a chance to make the playoffs to lose like that. It, well, you know what we talked about University of Florida and how 
fans probably shouldn't be too happy about the way that ended it. If I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I'm still happy with this season. This is better than anyone thought they were going to be. Tua took some strides. Let's put some more pieces around them. The moral of the story is, though, who the heck wants to play Buffalo right now? I would not want to touch <laughs> Buffalo if I was anybody. And your uh, Pittsburgh Steelers might have to as as this shakes out. Um, they're they're going to get in despite losing to Cleveland because they obviously started 11-0. But Cleveland has to be looking a little bit like they're dragging their feet coming in here, too. This game shouldn't have been that close, Ira. This is what I I'm this is my takeaway from this game. And I it's a weird sort of takeaway. So Steelers had no Ben, no Pouncey, no Watt, no Cam Hayward. And Mason Rudolph starts. And of course, I was at the game last year when Miles Garrett uh hit him over the head with it, took his helmet off and hit him over the head with the helmet. And there was issues back and forth, and they they talked after the game. Um I was find find it funny that Miles Garrett is winning the uh uh sportsmanship award for the NFL when he when whether you want to say whatever, he was clearly out of control on the field and was suspended for a number of games. And other guys in the league. Yeah. You couldn't find someone. Yeah, I just thought, I mean, they all, I thought it was just a weird situation. But uh, the 22 year Cleveland playoff drought ended. Mayfield now, you know, was able to do that. And it was like one of those games where, oh, it was interesting. The Steelers used Josh Dobbs. And, and this is something when you watch the game next week, I think he's going to try that again. Like, when was the last time you saw a Steeler quarterback like running around like that? Like that Cordell in terms Stewart. Of, Cordell <laughs> Stewart, exactly. And I was like, what is Dobbs doing? And Dobbs was like, they were doing some Wildcats, some options and stuff like that. And I thought that was interesting to use him. And they might put, I could see them on a couple plays pulling Ben like they they try like why they try they're playing next week they knew they're probably going to play next week but in the fourth quarter the Browns are up 15 they're coasting a story of the whole game and then Rudolph to Claypole for a touchdown and then Rudolph to Juju for another touchdown they would have tied the game without this Mason Rudolph driving the ball so I'm like thinking this is made up Mason Rudolph driving the ball on the Browns and the Browns are trying hard to stop they them to win right <laughs> and they and the and those Steelers don't care this is because at that point they knew Buffalo by that point they knew Buffalo was the second seed the Steelers are third seed it didn't matter they came in the a smart move, I think, of not pushing this. But and then when Cleveland got in the playoffs, they like celebrated like they won. Like, like you okay, you beat the Steelers, you made the playoffs. Steelers didn't try. You're celebrating like you <laughs> won something. Now you have to play them next week in the playoffs. I just think it's too I think they're not I, I'm 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 happy for the Steelers next week. I think we're I think Steelers are a four and a half point favorite. And I just did not like and it could be at Pittsburgh, but it doesn't mean I think there will be fans there. But the point is that I thought it was a weird type of game. Now, the, the Browns did what they had to do. Mayfield passed for 180 yards. They rushed for 180. Again, when they're 50-50 rushing, passing, that's what makes it great. But from a perspective of their defense and giving up uh, two touchdowns to Mason Rudolph at the end of the game, in a must-win game. Well, remember, if Cleveland lost this game, they'd be out of the playoffs. Yeah. So they'd be out. That would have been the most Cleveland thing ever, to lose yeah, to Pittsburgh's so backups. That was, that, was, that, was a, that was a disaster. Uh, an- another team that people are really going to fear here going into the playoffs is Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, for the last month, has looked like MVP Lamar Jackson. This team runs the ball like nobody's business. Obviously, they're playing Cincinnati. They're supposed to win, but I'd be worried playing them in the first round. I like to see like Baltimore and Oklahoma because Baltimore played for, had rushed for 404 yards in an NFL game. It's the fourth time since 1950 that someone's rushed for over 400 yards in NFL football. I mean, it's just numbers. J.K. Dobbins, finally, and people are like, boy, J.K. Dobbins, he's better than Gus Edwards and better than Mark Ingram. Like, why are you not running more? Well, they finally decided they carried the ball 13 times instead of, I mean, someday I'd like to see then give J.K. Dobbins the ball 30 times. He yeah. could gain whatever. So he gave for 160 yards, two touchdowns, 70 yard score. And on the score, he was he was. They said he ran 22 miles an hour. So here's a guy who can bust through any tackle and still runs 22 miles an hour. Um, but it was like one of those situations where they totally blew out. Since I mean, they won 38 to three. It wasn't even close. But since their December 2nd loss to Steelers, the Ravens now won four straight and uh, just a big win. And, and now they're going in, into the playoffs and, and, and I think set for 
uh, a monster game in 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 the, in, in the playoffs against uh, Tennessee. I mean, that, a, what a, game. a rematch I, of last year when they the number one seed got knocked out. By rematch Tennessee. of last year, uh, and you're going to have these two great running teams going against each other. Uh, what a, what a match! But like, right? I mean, these that's like I was talking, telling people. I think the AFC. Um, I could make a case that every one of these teams are going to go Super Bowl. Every single one. It's like every single one. Like, and you're like, oh, can Indianapolis do it? Well, their defense is good. They have a quarterback, Rivers, who's experienced. They have a great young running back. I mean, I could make the case. What about Cleveland? Well, Mayfield, Chubb, they, they, their defense, Miles Garrett, they can come on and do this. Pittsburgh, I can, of course we can make that. Baltimore, every one of these teams, you can make the case. It's not a wild out crazy case. Buffalo, that anyway. Now, the NFC, you probably. Half the teams can. Well, can I, make I'm going to take three of the teams out. The Rams aren't going to make it. Chicago. Uh, Chicago. And Washington. And Washington. Yeah. But I think the AFC, that's why I think these first round games are, are going to are going to be tremendous. And it's why home field advantage is huge in this one. I know there's no fans, but just any edge you can get. Indy's a seven seed. Nobody's going to be completely shocked if Indy beats the Bills. They're all that good in the AFC. Speaking of Indy, they had to beat Jacksonville. This was something the Dolphins needed some help here in Jacksonville. Yeah, not I mean, give it. 20 to 7 at halftime, not even close. Jacksonville is playing a college football players at this point. They're, all their players aren't playing. They're, they're, they don't care. They don't need to lose the game, but they are not don't want to get even injured people for next year. And then, I don't know what Indianapolis did. I mean, they just stopped playing and stopped, and they let, again, sort of like Cleveland, they let Jacksonville come back with two, some touchdowns. They went four possessions with three punts. They threw a stupid interception. When, when Jacksonville's not even trying to score, and uh, it was just and finally Jonathan Taylor who had a start the guy from Wisconsin so two running backs so I'm like we're wondering in fantasy purposes like why does Indianapolis not just give the ball to Taylor and they took him forever to figure it out mm-hmm. he had 20 he had uh, 253 yards rushing on 30 carries two touchdowns the ninth biggest ninth uh, longest rushing yards in the history of the NFL and uh, so that was like one of those big ones where they're finally using Taylor and he had a 55 yard touchdown and a, whatever and another long run to seal the game uh, for Indianapolis to but it's still 2014 it was like one of those things where it, it, it was too close i mean i think yeah. they should have blown that out and then uh jacksonville fired doug marone after the game uh doug marone uh, again it, it was weird he's jacksonville he was at buffalo he was six and ten and nine and seven took the, the bills to the playoffs next year um they were um then he was then he was had to set out he thought he was gonna have a job didn't get the job then goes to jacksonville as an assistant then got the head job 10 and 6 his first year, and then he was 5 and 11, 6 and 10, and then 1 and 15 this year, got fired. And uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe Urban Meyer is uh, there. You're right what you say about these teams drafting guys and then not using them till week 14. Why is Gus Edwards splitting time with J.K. Dobbins? Why is Naheem Hines getting 20 touches a game at the beginning of the season instead of someone you just spent a second rounder on and is obviously dominating? I just don't get it in us fantasy guys. That frustrates the heck out of us. You mentioned too close for comfort and. I think everyone in Nashville had to be really going down to the wire with a divisional matchup with Houston. Well, Tennessee did at one point. So there was a point in the game where if Tennessee would have lost, well, they played the second day. So there was a point where they could have been out of the playoffs, but then they realized they were going to in the playoffs. So then they were trying to win the game. But again, there's another team that was up by uh, 30. They were up uh, 31-15 in the third. And they and they ended up they, they letting uh, Houston score three touchdowns to go up 35-31. Then it was like exciting at the end. Tennessee made a touchdown to make it 38-35. Houston drove down 
hit a field goal to tie it, 38-38. I was going to dinner with my parents. I'm like, oh, we got overtime. But then Tennessee, with 22 seconds left, I'm like, they still had three timeouts left. And Tannehill, that's where you've got to give him credit. That passed A.J. Brown, a 50-yard pass, set themselves up. They, so Sloman goes for the first field goal right down the middle. Then they had call timeouts. And then he tries the second time, and it hits the upright and then goes in. You don't really see it hit the upright and go in no. like that and for the win. And, and again, how many losses? I mean, Deshaun Watson, they end up 4-12. and 12. He was like, he's the best 4-12 and 12 quarterback. But again, there's some games like, I mean, Deshaun Watson's great, but the mistakes he makes in a game is a reason. There's a re- I think he's overrated because he's the highest paid player in the NFL. But the point is that I think Deshaun Watson is an elite quarterback. I would not trade him. I'd want him on my team, all this sort of stuff. But the point is that he's got to win games. These cl- he's lost so many close games. And at some point, if you're going to be an elite, elite quarterback and win Super Bowls, you've got to win close games. And, and it's not usually the defense that's losing it. It's him with the ball at the end of the game the who can't make the, make the play. And I thought, one, I thought one of the biggest plays I told everyone to bet this on a prop, that Derrick Henry for 2,000 needed like 212 yards. And he ended up with like 250 yards for the game. I mean, Henry, <laughs> Taylor, all the running for two touchdowns. You think we're back in like the 70s with the running backs. <laughs> um, but a great game for him. And, and Henry now back-to-back rushing champion. And I think the only is in the top three for MVP of the league uh, for rushing for 2,000 yards this year. Uh, just a great win for him and a, and a great game. And, and now we're going to see, I mean, this Baltimore-Tennessee game, this is... It's going to be great. I mean, I just can't wait. I can't wait for the playoffs. I love the playoffs, but I think that game, intriguing to see um, who's run defense. Now, Baltimore thinks their defense is better than Tennessee's, so that's why Baltimore should win. So uh, in a game that nobody really cared about, uh, Cam Newton and Adam Gase probably played the last games for their respective teams. You know, it was so funny. So I'm watching all these other games, and I mentioned these for going through these fast, but Newton's passed for three touchdowns, 240 yards. This is the best game of the year for him, passing-wise. And he had a 49-yard run on the opening drive. He had five touchdowns going in. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable, and it was like one of those things where you're like, "Wow!" I, I mean, is there a chance? I, and and we're gonna get. We're gonna, I think I think the player to watch this year is Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford from Detroit is 32 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He's phenomenal, and I like the fact that in a game that he didn't have to play at all, totally meaningless. He has ankle. Everything is hurting. All this. He came and played yesterday, and I just I think he's tough. I think he's smart. His team is just terrible, and I. I just think that he's someone who, like you're the Patriots, are you going to go with Jimmy G? Are you going to go with Stafford? I think that this is going to be interesting where these quarterbacks go. Remember with the Patriots, they finished 7-9. They had the most opt-outs. They had 10 players that did not play this year that messed up their Their cap. Their whole defense. Their whole defense didn't play. Um, All these other teams that think, oh, the Patriots are done. They have Bill Belichick a coach. They're going to get 10 players back. And if they get the quarterback situation fixed, they're going to draft well. Something's going to happen. The Patriots are not going to be 7. They are not going to be 7-9 next year. Well, the, The quarterback will be a big part of it but yeah we'll, we'll see what happens there um let's go to the nfc because uh, we're running out of time just about seven minutes left here dallas and the giants and i don't know if you know this ira in the last 16 uh, last 16 games that they've lost they, they need to dallas needs to score 30 points to win the last 16 games they have not scored 30 points they have not won they're 0 16 that goes to show how bad the defense is but the giants being who they are made this game much closer than it had to be yeah i mean it was like one of those games where you felt like the giants uh you know the Giants were at the first half at uh, twenty to six, but then the Cowboys scored those. Uh, I think what happened to the Cowboys in the second half was they went down there and they kicked the field to field goals, and then they just could not get over it. And, and, and they had a chance to win. I mean, the Cowboys drove down the nine yard line. Dalton was sacked. Um, the Cowboys punted, and then Dalton, with a chance to win the game, threw an interception at the end of the game. So I mean, they had their chance, and it wouldn't have mattered. Washington ended up winning, so this game yeah. wasn't that big a deal. But in the end, that was the winner of the, why this game mattered was the two six and ten teams playing each other because the winner, if they would have won, and Washington would have. 
loss would have made it. But uh, just a disappointing year, I think. I guess the question for the Giants is, I mean, Daniel Jones came back. I give him credit. He was injured, came back for a must-win game. 17 for 25, 220 yards. They'll get Barkley next year. They have a coach that they like. Um, if you're, you'd rather be a Giants fan. But Cowboys do have skill position players that they like too. And they're going to get Dak Prescott. You have Elliott. You have all your wide receivers. Just improve the defense, the offensive line. Then they're back, they're back to coming for next year. So let's talk about that other game you mentioned because it kept the Giants out of the playoffs, let Washington in. And it's the biggest controversy in sports today is what was Philadelphia doing? You know, I'm I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon. I mean, this game was terrible. I mean, I was falling asleep watching it. It was just on Alex Smith for Washington. You got to give him credit. He had 18 operations. He came back this year. He saved the season for for Washington. Um, Jalen Hurts had a terrible game for for was Carson Wentz was not going to play, and Hurts was seven for seven for 20. He rushed for two touchdowns, but at one interception. And uh, but in the fourth quarter, they and they, they pulled they pulled Hurts and put uh, um, their backup quarterback for three years into the game and uh, he uh, Sudfeld and he his first play he threw an interception then he fumbled and so they were losing the game as the question was should he and they also they were down 17-14 when Hertz was in the game first down to five and they they had three incompletions and then on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal to tie it they went for the, the, the they went for it on fourth down didn't get it so everyone's saying well if Philadelphia is trying to lose the game and they put Sudfeld in and they moved up in the draft position from nine to six I don't know. I mean, it's all the Giants fans are mad. I'm sure you're upset. Like I said, it's, 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 to me, it's nothing to do about the Giants. I knew, I, I'd rather the Giants get the 11th pick than get 22 and get smoked by Tampa. It's the competitiveness of the league, and I think it's just a bad look for the NFL. It's the same reason why we have a lottery in basketball. So people don't tank, and this was blatantly tanking to move up three picks. I, I just I think it's a bad look. Um, Green Bay came in looking good against Chicago. Chicago had to win this game or, uh, did, did, and didn't end up having to win it, but they wanted to win, obviously. Green Bay, though, just looked like the Green Bay that we expect, and they crushed them. Well, first half, Rodgers was 10 for 10, 155 yards, three touchdowns. But this is the second time, I think, it, it, it was weird. They almost blew the game. At one point in the middle, it was 21-16. This is like last week when they were struggled against Carolina. It was 21-16, and then uh, Green Bay scored those two touchdowns. Rodgers was just on fire. He had nine, four. T- he had 24 passes, four of them for touchdowns, 240 yards. End of the year, 48 touchdowns, only five interceptions. Uh, Trubisky played well for the Bears. I mean, they they hung in there, but they couldn't they couldn't score any touchdowns. Now Chicago ended up losing, but they they didn't know if Arizona would have won, uh, they would have been they could have been knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah. So that was the point was when they saw that. It, so it worked out that they they, they were gonna they, they by losing they still stayed in because Arizona lost. They back in yeah, yeah so they backed into the, into the playoffs so mitch trubisky a bear next year um yes it has to be what what's their options you yeah. know like i i think that he's gonna get re-signed he closed out the season well i think mitch trubisky gets a contract from them um new orleans and carolina drew Brees may have played his last regular season game it, i gotta give new orleans credit they came in the game they had no running backs kamara their star running back had covid and then everybody in the all their other running backs gonna play they played a running back time Montgomery who hadn't played all year at running back and they end up i mean carolina didn't really show up and play at all they pulled bridgewater in the game for pj walker uh and it was the score was 33 to 7 uh it was just it was weird at the end of the game drew Brees got emmanuel sanders he had to get eight catches to get a five hundred thousand bonus so they're trying to like get bonus points you're talking about yeah, things that like a fantasy, fantasy. <laughs> well, that was even fantasy it's for his own money that's like five hundred thousand dollars but a weird year for the carolina they're, they're they end up five and eleven matt rule was 
the general manager and the coach, but McCafferty missed 13 games. Question is Bridgewater, 15 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. What's going to happen? They're going to have a high draft choice. I mean, they're one of those teams that are going to draft a quarterback going in there. But uh, from New Orleans' perspective, they're the second seed, uh, which means that they still have to play. But uh, I was, I think New Orleans and Tampa was hoping that Green Bay would drop down because now they're everyone's going to, as long as Green Bay, you know, they have to go to Green Bay to play. Like Tampa's going to have to go next week to Green Bay, or two weeks if they win, to Green Bay to play. Not, not fun. Um, say what you want about the San Francisco 49ers. They play really good against the NFC West, down pretty much everybody. Just they were up 16 6 in the fourth. And at one point again, <laughs> Seattle, see, Seattle did not know then they could move up to maybe the first position. So this game did matter. They weren't going to be in the playoffs. And there's and, and they they struggled. I mean, I, Seattle does not look sharp. And they and they should look sharper. And but they're a team that, boy, definitely could win the Super Bowl. But they at one point they just putzed around for most of the game. And then they scored two touchdowns at the end. And it was great for Russell Wilson and the comebacks that we're used to. And uh they had two, they got Lockett and DJ Metcalf both had over a thousand yards receiving, which is crazy to have two running back, two high receivers. Mekoff broke Steve Largent's record of 1,300 yards for t- total receiving yards. But uh, I got to give San Francisco credit. They played tough all year. They were down so many players. And the question for them with Kyle Shanahan, they're going to definitely keep their coach. They're going to lose Robert Salah. He is, if I was a team, I'd, San Francisco's defense kept them in games every game with no players. Yeah. I cannot believe he's not on everyone's list. He should be list. higher than Bienemy. Yeah, he's yes. not. Uh, he's, Robert Salah for San Francisco, and you see on the sidelines, go, go, rah, rah. I mean, everything about him he's got to be to me my number one for any team to be uh to be a coach and your tampa bay bucks you picked them to win the super bowl they came in hot and they stayed hot antonio brown 11 catches 130 yards two touchdowns godwin 133 yards two touchdowns tom brady uh, four touchdowns i mean on fire just they look great uh, uh, this team is he had 400 yards passing one interception he's just 40 touchdowns for the year i just said give tampa time they'll get it going together and everyone says oh boy tampa they have to play go at washington it's going to be cold but then they have to go at green bay remember tom brady played 20 years in, in new england gronkowski 20 years in england. and antonio brown pittsburgh it's very cold i was at his games too and he played well so the point is he's you know you have all these players that i know it's tampa team but it's northerners who have or been in Tampa to play. Before we wrap the show up, uh, you think that the Arizona and Rams game is a little more controversial than the Philly game? No one talks about this. Well, so I was watching the game. I was at a sports bar and they were stupidly, it was hard to get all my games where I wanted to go around. It was driving me crazy. You know, a Cowboy fan has to come in at 3.30 and mess up where all the TVs are. <laughs> you, knew, you knew it had to be a Cowboy fan who showed up Shocker. there with 30 minutes to go in a game and, and then mess the TVs up. But I finally got the Rams game on and the Rams they started uh, Wolford, John Wolford from Wake Forest instead of Jared Goff. And it was like one of those games where the first possession, Arizona, Kyler Murray hurts his ankle and then he sits out the whole game. You're like, okay, he's injured. He can't come back. But then he came back in the fourth quarter when they're down, but they were losing uh, at that point, 15-7. And Arizona came and he came back and he wasn't able to lead them to a victory. But I like, he looked fine. Now, I know this is injuries. We can't talk about this, but it's like, well, should he have stayed in the game? And I think there should have been some questioning about whether Kyler Murray, if he was, he looked like fine in the fourth quarter that running around, like if he just sat out the game and they ended up losing and Arizona needed to win to make the play. It was a winner out nothing. And you see like Justin Fields get hurt in the championship game and stay in and stay in. And again, it's, this wasn't a head injury. It was an ankle injury. You wonder, and there's been no talk. It's like silence. Like Arizona is not in the place. Like I would like to listen to Arizona radio to hear what people are saying about this because it was just, a, they were, they ended up, uh, Chris Strebler from South Dakota played three quarters and did absolutely nothing. I mean, they, I mean, but 
the Rams defense, I mean, this, this game is hilarious. The Rams won. The Rams have not scored a touchdown in two games, but the defense just did pick sixes and safeties. And this is like the classic, the Bears defense, where the Bears defense is just going to win the game. Aaron Donald's amazing. And you have to give credit to the uh, defensive coordinator for the Rams who just coached a, coached a great game. And Ira, you've, uh, we're out of time, but you've got some big plans for this week, don't you? Well, we're not. It's this week, no. But next Monday, yeah, you know I mean. national championship. <laughs> I'm gonna, I definitely want to go to see the Alabama Ohio State game. So we're going to tape the show early. I'll go down and see that. But I'm. Like, but so next week, just so everybody understands, three three NFL games on Saturday, three NFL games on Sunday, all the playoffs, and then the championship game is next Monday night in Miami. So it's going to be a great week. And then we're going to get start talking about the NBA and college basketball and all this. But uh, this is the time of year for football right now. We are out of time on behalf of Ira and Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.